Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you rule, you reign forevermore. You are in charge of this moment right now. And Father, we ask that in a very special way, this moment might become a significant moment for us. So fathers, we look into your word as we seek to gaze into your heart as we seek to match ours up with yours, we just pray that we'll have success this morning and we'll go home knowing these things are so. So now we just ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when something terribly wrong, something that's been authorized and even demanded by a terribly misguided leadership decision, when that something is reversed, after nearly 50 years of devastation, it seemed to me that I should pause in whatever I am preaching and turn our attention to the momentous moment that has come upon us. Roe versus Wade. The ruling in the Supreme Court of the United States of America rendered January 22, 1972, by a supermajority, 7 to 2 was the vote. That ruling that abortion would be permitted throughout the land has been upended. It has been declared by a 5 to 4 majority vote to have been invalid and a tragic overreach of the justices on the court at that time. And so I titled this message this morning that we might want to keep a hold of. If ever want to wonder, what does Pastor Mark think about these things? What does he believe the Bible teaches about these things? This text today that we'll mail out this afternoon might be one that that you want to just have in case that ever comes up. But the title of this talk, this message today, A Grievous Wrong Corrected. And here's that correction. We have it there. Our Constitution, a majority of the current Supreme Court justices have concluded, does not contain any so-called right to abortion. That is the current statement. And that's a correction of the previous statement that said our Constitution does in fact contain such a right. When I heard that on Friday afternoon, here's something that popped right into my mind as Linda and I were sharing it together, and so I share this with you. No longer, no longer will any duly elected government official 
or any young man or young woman joining any branch of military service, no longer will they be asked to raise their right hand and swear that they will support and defend a document that says unborn children have no right to life, that says, in effect, that those unborn ones are not recognized as human beings at all. Never again will that happen. I wonder how many born-again believers entering either of those realms, government service, military service, born-again believers have raised their hands as they must do and swear allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. For the last 49 years, those Christian young people Those Christian officials have had to swear their allegiance to a document that says unborn human beings have no rights in this country. Oh, that must have, if they thought about it at all, it must have just stirred them to their depths. They'd have to say, well, I will defend the whole thing, but I really don't want to defend that part of it. But that's not a choice. And what I'm saying today No Christian young person will ever have to do that again. Will never swear their allegiance to a document that denies the right to life of an unborn child. You see, rather than granting children with beating hearts and developing brains and even distinguishable facial features the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness like any other, every other American, those justices granted to the mothers of those unborn ones the right to end the lives of their children if they so chose. Two days ago, the majority of justices of the current Supreme Court announced that our country's Constitution does not and never did grant a mother the right to take such a grievous and gruesome action. Now, this courageous declaration by four men and one woman has stunned the world. The highest court in our land has admitted that their predecessors had made an error of incredible proportion. Let me just say in passing, because I googled it this morning. You might say, has the Supreme Court ever rethought something that somebody did before? Don't those things always stand forever? Well, over the 200 and some years of our country, our Supreme Court has reversed previous decisions of a Supreme Court 233 times. So when people might try to say, well, what they just did is unheard of, They're upsetting precedent. No, they've just done what judges should do. When they determine that a thing has been done wrong, they should right it. You see, truth be told, since that original decision, more than 60 million abortions have been performed in this country. Since that day that truly was a day that will live in infamy. 
far worse than the several thousand men and women killed in the sneak attack upon Pearl Harbor and the several thousand more killed in the horrible attack of 9-11 and the six million lives taken in Hitler's gas chambers has been the carnage in our own country's abortion clinics. Such deaths stain our nation's soul and will forever do so. So the ruling, the ruling announced this past Friday says, there is no right to abortion to be found in the Constitution that governs this land. And indeed, there is not. However, Congress and the American people can surely put such a right into our Constitution, either by legislative action or by constitutional amendment. That is why the persons we elect to office matter. That is why national elections matter. At this point, the Supreme Court has cleared up its own mistake. But in so doing, they have reminded us that each state in the Union is free to make its own mistake in this matter. States, under our Constitution, can take any stance on abortion that their citizens support. I can mention to you that many states, perhaps as many as 30, have legislation severely restricting or completely eliminating abortion already in place. Many of those state legislatures have passed laws that said, if Roe versus Wade is ever overturned, this law will go into effect in our state. In fact, on Friday, the governor of the state of Missouri, should I say Missouri? The governor of the state of Missouri signed a bill that makes all abortion illegal in the state that he oversees. That legislation was ready to go. It was just like, and if the Supreme Court ever gives us the leeway, we already have expressed our opinion. Sadly, as you know, our state will not be following that governor's lead. The fact that states can once again operate independently of one another is why state elections matter. But the future is unknown to us. Only the current reality is what we're aware of. And, and I say these are remarkable days. These are remarkable days. Unexpected days. These are days that could suggest that God is not done with this country just yet. Could suggest that. Because I tell you, only, only God himself could intervene in the way that has just been witnessed. And maybe, maybe God is not done with us. Maybe he's not said America has run its course. The American church has gotten so, so weakened that I'm going to look elsewhere for guardians of the gospel. Maybe not. And so then I raise for us this morning today's key question. How should we, how should we who know the Lord, 
How should we who are committed to Christ, how should we who believe in the standards even of God's word, how should we now live? Specifically, how should the church of Jesus Christ respond? This is a new environment. How should we respond? There's been so much activity the last 49 years trying to get the Supreme Court to recognize the the wrongness of the previous action. Letters written, marches taken, many speeches given, politicians running, favoring certain things, and, and lo and behold, there is no longer a need to have the Supreme Court make a ruling like they made. They've made it. Now what does that mean? I suggest to us this morning six responses that can be part of our our life. Number one, first and most important of all, thank God for this completely unexpected turn of events. Should we not do that? The Bible says, Psalm 47, 8, God reigns over the nations. Even though the Bible says that, Wouldn't you admit there are times you'd think that uh, the nations are pretty much doing their own thing? But the Bible says, "Don't, don't you fear. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. And if that were true in David's day, it's still true today. Is this what's happened Is this not a case of the cries of the afflicted reaching the ears of the Almighty? Is this not evidence that God has heard and is in the process of answering those cries? Cries that are still being raised today? Is this not a first step in God responding to the cries of his own people whose focus has always been upon the lives that are being taken. Though this ruling does not end abortion, it does recognize that the citizens of this land have the authority to end or greatly limit abortion in the place where they live. Many children's lives will be saved as a result of this unexpected turn of events. Picture this with me. Someday, someday there will be young men and women praising God in the churches of our land because of this decision made Friday. Because the decision made Friday provided the opportunity for them to live both physically and eternally. I'd say, let's praise God along with them. Let's praise God along with them. Secondly, response. Secondly, and I'd say foundationally, as we move forward, pray for protection and for continued courageous examination and deliberation by the justices of our nation's highest court. Pray that they will never forget that there is a court higher than their own. 
Here's something that our very first Chief Justice, whose name was John Jay, something he wrote, the first ever Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He said, the Bible is the best of all books, for it is the Word of God. And it teaches us how to be happy in this world and in the next. Follow the Word of God. Submit yourself to the word of God from the very beginning. I would imagine every one of their deliberations as that first Supreme Court started with prayer. Perhaps even led by this man, the Chief Justice, to say we need to know the the thinking of God on this matter. We need to know what is right, what is moral, what is good, what is wholesome. We need to make our judgments that our people are able to pursue happiness, the kind of joy that comes from a a God who is blessing them. That's where we started. Here's how the Apostle Paul counseled his son in the faith, Timothy. He said, Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, pray. Pray for all those in authority to this end, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Say, pray for all those who are in leadership. Maybe specifically today, we we might be thinking about our Supreme Court justices, but we have a president, we have representatives, we have senators, we have a whole host of people, nationally and in the state, that have something to say about how people live their lives. And whether, whether they are laying forth the groundwork that God's blessings can flow or laying forth the groundwork that the products of sin can be experienced. Pray for them. Pray for them. God can use even those who don't know him to accomplish his purposes. But let me tell you, you know already the outcry has already begun. These five justices have acted in the face of threat and castigation. They were already being threatened before they ever cast their vote. Their motives have been questioned, their integrity rejected. Hopefully, they have a relationship with God upon which they can lean. I do not know if they do or not. Hopefully, they will never doubt that their action has corrected a grievous wrong. So pray for them. Uphold them. Thirdly, and most hopefully, pray. (laughs) And I'll tell you, if we might have said, I don't see abortion ever being overturned, you just tell me honestly, do you think this thing I'm about to say is ever going to happen? Pray for a return to biblical biblical morality among the unmarried people of our land. To the believers in Corinth, way back there in an increasingly pagan world, there was a a body of Christians who were learning to, to follow Christ, learning what it means, learning how to separate themselves from the world around them. And Paul just says on this topic, he says, just flee sexual immorality. Oh, you and I know 
if the last 49 and a half years has been under the umbrella of a permitted abortion, the last 49 and a half years has certainly also been under the umbrella of an absolutely wanton sexual lifestyle in our country. More and more and more and more until Christians, Christians don't even bat an eye at going to bed with one another. They move in together and attend church together. They see nothing wrong. They see the sex act no differently than they see a first kiss. And if you watch television much, you'll discover the writers of most of those shows. When people get to know each other, they're getting introduced, they can have a first kiss and the screen goes dark and it shows them waking up the next morning together. And that's all the relationship they had. A first kiss. My name is, your name is, a feeling of attraction, a kiss, fade out, and next morning here they are waking up together. That's what's viewed as just the way it is. Sex means nothing more than that. Paul says to Timothy and others, flee sexual immorality. You see, the truth of it is, we know this. God the Father created mankind with a sexual identity and vitality. Male and female did he create them. The human race would depend upon them coming together as one to produce the next generation. The union of man and wife was intended to form such a powerful bond that family stability would be guaranteed. Pregnancy and the activity that causes it was never intended to occur outside the security of that marital bond. That's still true. That's still God's opinion on the subject. That's still God's declaration on the subject. And somehow, because Christians are not quite as sinful as the unbeliever, they excuse the amount of sin that's in their life. And they try not to even call it by that name. We have failed our younger generation. Sometimes, because we who are the parents or the grandparents of the younger generation have actually lived that way ourselves. And then we feel a little guilty to hold them up to some standard that we didn't keep ourselves. Well, it's not our standard. It's God's standard. And no good comes of breaking it. And if we, if the people in this country that used to kind of generally accept it as a societal standard, if we could ever get back to that, so much of the, the heartache and the problem and the taking of life that is not wanted would not be happening. Pray for a return to biblical morality among the unmarried people of our land. Fourthly, most practically, because these things remain, Support organizations that minister to those who find themselves with an unwanted pregnancy. 
There are organizations right in our community. There's two of them that this church has, has supported over the years. Moses House Ministries that really deals with unwed moms. Pregnant to be moms. Helping them through that whole process. Taking them through parenting classes. Encouraging them. Providing needs for them physically. And then sometimes even providing a place where they can be sheltered until the baby is born and then try to get them into a, a wholesome, practical situation afterwards. The Victor Valley Rescue Mission kind of touches all the bases with needy people and homeless people and young women who are in trouble and feel like they have nowhere to turn. The truth is, as I said before, a return to biblical morality is a long shot. We have generations, generations that have been given the impression that sexual involvement outside of a marriage commitment is completely normal and natural. It's frequently seen as something merely casual and so unplanned. Unwanted pregnancies will continue to occur. So ministries to provide for the unborn and to their mothers and fathers will continue to be needed. Almost every community has some. I've mentioned two. I'm looking forward as the, the pastor of this church this week to be able to write a check to both of them and just to stir them and encourage them during this summertime with, with what might be a, a, just a, a fresh reaching out to those in need. We can get involved in saving lives, both the baby's life and the mother's life. Number five, fifthly, we say in most sensitivity, communicate compassion, not judgment. Oh, my grief. Goodness. So many times churches and people, Christians think they've done their job if they make somebody feel like a louse. That's not the job. The job is to put your arms around somebody who's in a, a very difficult human situation and say, we can get through this. I can help you through this. You should get through this. This is a life. And you have a life. And God desperately wants you both to come to the fullness of life. And so we, we approach folks that way. These ministries I've mentioned about approach things that way. I tell you, Peter certainly understood the meaning of those words, communicate compassion, not judgment. Peter wrote, love, love covers over a multitude of sins. It doesn't turn a sin into a good thing. But what it does is lift that, that load of judgment and, and condemnation from the person in the midst of it. Remember how bad Peter felt when he denied the Lord? He just went out into the darkness and, and just cried bitterly and probably thought he would never see or approach Jesus Christ again. He was consumed with grief. He didn't need Jesus to say, Peter, you've really messed up. When they were next together, Jesus said, Peter, 
do you love me still? That's all that matters. And Peter just sensed the love that Jesus Christ had for him. That's a powerful thing. But it's also, also for so many of us, a good feeling to just nail somebody. You made your bed, now lie in it. What a horrible thing. What a horrible thing. Communicate compassion. See, Jesus spoke these words, lest anyone doubt where he was coming from. John 3, 17, Jesus said, God did not send his son. And we could say, and the son is not today sending his church into the world to condemn the world, but to save them. See, sinners are already condemned. All of us. For the moment we were born, we were part of a fallen, rebellious race. This world is already condemned. It's already under the curse of God going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The truth of it is, God has acted to lift that condemnation and to bring in redemption and to bring in salvation and to bring in a a new possibility that that my life can actually get in line with his desires. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so we say judgment is never ours to make. Because we can never know all the facts. Even when we think we do. We don't even know all the facts of our own life and what goes into our own actions when we frequently say, why did I do that? We can never know why somebody else did what they did, allowed to happen what happened. We can never know all the facts, but we can easily discern the hurt or the fear or the shame of a person whose life has taken a terrible turn. Jesus would say, communicate compassion to that person. Desire wholeness and blessing for them. Seek to assure them that the God who rules over all does in fact love them. And demonstrate that love in front of them. And so therefore, with that as a, as a, a build up, we come to number six. Sixthly and most profoundly, share the gospel. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ with each person you encounter. Let them know he is the way. He is the life. He is the truth. That's always the goal. To clearly communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to all who are in distress. Trusting in Jesus. Yielding your life to Jesus. Confessing and receiving forgiveness for sins is the way to eternal life, both in this world and in the world to come. So in closing, let me just say this. An unexpected window of opportunity has opened in our land. We cannot possibly know the outcome on this day. But if one human life, if one human life will be saved as a result of this action taken on Friday, then I would say, God bless those who took that action. And God bless them who have faithfully prayed for that day 
ever since 1973. There are Christian people in heaven today who spend hours on their knees praying that the eyes of our leaders would be opened to say this is not something our Constitution permits or even encapsulates as a right. And they prayed for that and prayed for that. If they're looking down from heaven today, if those in heaven have any idea what's going on on earth, they would have to say, it didn't happen in my lifetime, but it's happened. It's happened. And surely, one of the lessons of these days is the one expressed by our final thought. Though God often delays, he never ignores Cry out to God whenever redress of wrong is needed. Pray for God to heal the things that are broken. Pray for God to open the eyes of those who lead us blindly. Pray for God to change circumstances that dishonor him, that circumstances that honor him might come to the fore. Lift up the cries of those who perhaps can't even pray for themselves to our loving, gracious, wise, and good Heavenly Father. Father, we would do that right now. We would lift up the cries of all who are afflicted, for all whose lives are in danger We pray that your ear would be open to our cries. We thank you for the effort made on Friday for a first step to correct something that just had led our country in such a wrong way. But Father, now there's going to be many decisions made. All through this land, people saying, what do we think? Is this really a matter of taking a human life? Is this really a a thing that should never be done? Father, we pray for a complete reversal that never again would there be a, a healthy baby denied the chance to breathe the air. So, Father, your will be done. And we know your will. We just don't know your plan for this country. But we pray that this might be a step in the direction of of bringing something far more wholesome to bear in this land. And I ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.